going on another episode of Zoom Town. I am Travis Matier and I am with my co-host and informal counselor, Tim Adams. Good morning. Actually, it's afternoon. Okay, good afternoon. We're, we're getting kind of a late start today and um, I'm hoping to get the, the episode out later today, but for some reason my computer still has technical problems. I've heard it's about mer- Mercury retrograde. I'm not a big astrological person, but um, I, I really do believe now in Mercury retrograde having some kind of impact on electronics, communication breaking down. Um, I mean, part of why I needed counseling going to Spokane, which you graciously drove me to Spokane on Saturday, which I am very, very thankful for. Um, but it's, it's interesting because I was throwing a little temper tantrum. Um, I guess around birthdays, you're able to maybe do that. And, and today we have your mom with us. So Kathy, I want to say hi to you real quick. Hello. Um, and Tim and I are just going to, we, we kind of shoot the SHIT here for a little bit um, before we start getting into some of our topics. But we're going to be on our best behavior today um, since we have a mom here. And, uh, but but it's, it's actually perfect because I was a, being kind of a dick to my mom. And that was partly what we had to talk about is like, you know, get over your, your, your SHIT. I don't know if that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's give my mom an uh, introduction. Yes, um, let's do My that. mom is a lifelong Missoulian. Um, born and raised. Born and raised. She went to Sentinel yeah. High School, as did, I think, all of my aunts and uncles. Uh, it's oh, also wow. where me and Michael went very briefly. Or I guess, yeah, Michael went for most of his high school career, my cousin. Your cousin? Okay. Um, the reason I wanted her perspective is my mom is genuinely one of the most moderate, like, down-the-middle people I know. She reads Missoulian. She watches the TV news. Oh, uh, excellent. And... She's told me in the past she considers herself a Democrat, but she doesn't always vote Democrat. Uh, my dad considers himself more of a Republican, so they're technically a split political household. And uh, we just had the primary for the city mayor, and although they live in Sealy their whole lives, they are not voters here in the city, but yeah. the city does have a lot of influence on what happens in the county. Oh, and yeah. so as county residents, and especially anyone who lives outside of the city, comes into the city all the time, spends a quite a bit of money, and so they're obviously having an investment here. So I wanted her perspective on like what are th- things yes. that she thinks about the local races and the state races. Uh, she's telling me she was watching Biden's UN speech earlier when she oh. was getting up. Was to, that today? Yeah. That was supposed to be happening? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, well, Kathy, I'm, I'm so glad you were, you were <laughs> um, giving yourself over to us to analyze and pick your brain. Um, for, for a little context, I guess, you know, we've been doing this now, looking at local politics for the last Most couple of, the of months. Year, yeah. yeah. Um, we've done some interviews, but really, um, Tim and I have developed this this great, I think, rapport where we're taking these issues of local politics and trying to kind of understand them in a conversational way. Um, we sometimes have outlines to try and stay on topic, but um, because I can get distracted. And, and before we started recording, I wanted to like you know tell you all about Medicare and Medicaid and Missoula Aging Services because it's such a fantastic organization. 
Uh, when I was working there in the call center, I would talk to people in Sealy, talk to people in Frenchtown and Lolo. Um, some of the dynamics I'm interested in with Missoula and the urban core becoming more and more unaffordable is people are pushed out to the rural parts of the county and things like the, the transportation infrastructure have not caught up. And so I have, uh, when I worked at Aging Services, <clears throat> I had to get so strategic to try and figure out ways to get people to medical appointments. You have no idea how many people are out in like, you know, the middle of nowhere trying to just get basic needs met, um, getting into appointments, and it's not easy to do some basic things. So, so we'll, we'll talk about some of those and figure out maybe, I don't know, what, what we can do about it. Because I like to do some practical things on the ground. Even though I talk about crazy things like synchronicities, and I have people on my blog now saying that I might be mentally unstable because of that, but I am having such a beautiful, wonderful day. Had such a great weekend, a great birthday weekend. Synchronicities have led me to interviewing Michael Wan, which I'll be putting out later. Um, this is a interesting guy. He lives in Pennsylvania. He's really into uh, watching movies and kind of getting some insight from movies. And he was talking about Field of Dreams. And I related that to Kevin Costner and Yellowstone and Chapel of the Dove. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Do you watch Yellowstone at all, Kathy? Oh, yes. I'm waiting for the new season. So am start. I. So am I. Have you have you ever been caught up in any of the, the, the streets being shut down because of production? Because they've, they've been done filming all over the place. Uh, no, I haven't yet. Yeah. It's going to be, I can't wait. I hope Beth is, is okay. Yeah. I hope she lived. Oh, spoilers. We didn't give any any spoilers, <laughs> did we? Uh, no. And can you can you hear your mom okay in the yeah, headphones? Can you push it up a little bit just so you're trying to try to speak right into the front of it? That's going to be the we best We want to make sure we can hear you loud and clear so you oh, can okay. So you, you can tell Tim so how you, wrong he is about stuff. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> you won't be the first. Uh, you've followed the mayor's race, right? You know Engen is yeah. the mayor here. Right. And have you followed uh, so they just had a primary last week, which there was four guys running, and two of them made it past the primary and are going to go into the general election in November. Right. Um, you've lived here, and you have to come in town a lot. What do you think of Engen right now? What do you think his chances of being reelected are? Well, I just kind of getting where I'm beginning to think it's fixed for him to win, period, all the time, because they seem to announce he's winning it before they even shut down the polls. Yeah. So I, I what, wonder. Was it, were they saying stuff on, on the primary evening about him being ahead in the, in the polls? I wasn't watching you actual. Yeah, I wasn't watching local news like NBC Montana or KPAX or anything. I don't know. Uh, were you watching some TV? You watched yeah. on? No, I never saw anything on TV that night. Yeah. And I was looking for it, but there was nothing being said. Till the next morning on Facebook, they announced the one guy had uh, was going to be his running, the guy running his opponent. Him. Yeah, yeah. So, are, are you on Twitter, Kathy? No. no. <laughs> well, and I wouldn't let her. That's good because <laughs> <clears throat> it's not good for your she mental health. She thinks it's because of her, but it's because of everyone else on there. It's right? not good for your mental health, but um, I mean, that's that's how Actually, I knew results well, would be at eight o'clock. Let's take so. it at more of a basic level. Yeah. You know what Twitter is, right? Right. So you're on Facebook. Right. You've been on Facebook for probably a number of years now. Yeah, quite a few years. And is that your primary way to to pe keep in touch with family or news, or what do you use Facebook for? Mainly to keep in touch with family since we have so many that live out of state. Mm -hmm. uh, we never talked to them before that. So it was our way to communicate and, and yeah. reach, you know, hook up is through Facebook. 
But you, but you mentioned that you you saw information about the local elections on Facebook. So do you do you also get local news information on Facebook? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I think my parents do a lot as well. They see stuff on Facebook come up in their news feed. Um, so I think that that is increasingly um, a way that people are getting information. And this that's actually interesting. Last night I was at um, Cross Point Church listening to Dr. Al um, talk. So Dr. Al is going to be running for the congressional the new congressional seat. I believe. Um, and so he's out, you know, kind of giving his pitch and I'm a loud mouth. I like to, to say stuff. And so my question to Dr. Al was, you know, how are you going to get, you know, your message out in a media landscape where conservative messages are very hard to get out? And he talked about Facebook. He talked about how conservatives are going to have to pay for getting the message out there farther. And he talked about being shadow banned on Facebook and, and seeing his followers go down and kind of get, you know, hit a certain ceiling. And so, you know, Dr. Al's an older, older guy, not older guy, but I mean, he's, he's probably in his um, 50s, late 50s or, or 60s. And um, it's interesting because I, I actually asked him if he's going to have some young, youngster get him on TikTok. And he told me he already had a TikTok video with like a million views. I was like, wow, Dr. Al, already on TikTok. I think TikTok is a very toxic platform as well. And I don't want my kids on that. But uh, it's, it's interesting how people get information in this day and age because the, the Missoulian... Um, has had so many cuts and they just don't seem to be doing a lot of reporting locally. I mean, it, more and more it's coming from like a central, you know, location. And there's what, two or three people even left in the physical building here that's going to be well, sold and developed. Let's go back a minute. Because yeah. um, when you say you get the news on Facebook, is that stuff that pe like are your friends and family post it? Or is it stuff that directly comes from like you follow the Missoulian or you follow KPAX? Yeah, I follow NBC. I follow a couple different news outlets through Facebook. Okay, so you have certain ones you trust. Since we switched our cable and went to streaming, which was about a year ago, it's a whole different setup on how you got to find what's out there yeah. compared to cable kind of just feeds you and, you know, you don't really have a choice. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because yeah. he's talking about uh, some of these other ones, and I, I was just curious – you, you know, someone like Travis or I, you know, we're, I'm a conservative person. And so when most of the people who work as like reporters in the news tend to be liberal, we think that the news is skewed to make the liberals look better and to make the conservatives look worse. As just someone who reads it, you know, without necessarily taking as much of a side, like, do you, do you read it and say, oh, they're trying to make you think this, or they're trying to push this agenda? Do you ever get that impression when you're reading some of it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, there, there's a lot of times that these stories that come out, you got to stop and question, is that reasonable? Do you think that's true? Kind of thing, because a lot of it is fake out there. Mm -hmm. so. Does anything come to mind like a local example recently? I'm trying to even think of some of the local stories that have been making big I headlines. Know, I feel like COVID has been such a big story. Um, and I don't know. Do you mind sharing if you got the vaccine or not? Is that something you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I don't mind. I did get the vaccine because I do have health problems that would interfere with, you know, going to the hospital quite easily. I wouldn't be able to fight that that virus. And you got it pretty close to when it became available. So one, you, you have, if I remember, you were waiting because they were going in groups. And so you had to wait for your group to come up before you could go get the shot. Exactly. And my dad, I don't know if he would, he has also gotten the vaccine. Yes. Um, 
but he waited a number of months after, I think. Oh, yeah. He he was kind of funny because I was getting mine, and he could have got it at the same time. But he was like, well, no, I'm going to wait and see if you die from this first before I get mine. And oh, I'm the gallows like, humor. The gallows aren't you humor. funny? Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, uh, it was two, three months later that he finally went, um, I guess this needs to get done. And yeah. he went and did it without me, actually. Yeah. Oh, so, so you, weren't, me. you weren't even driving him in case no. in case he fell fell down. and Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's been so interesting. Um, I, since we have a mom here on, on a microphone, I, I have to sort of think and mention about this podcast called Deborah Gets Red Pilled. And it's a very interesting podcast about um, th- this guy, Adam, his mother-in-law lives in San Francisco and is kind of a mainstream, you know, liberal. And so in a, in a very similar way, she has subjected herself to this podcast week after week after week. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's been interesting because he's been able to interview a lot of people that he likes, and so they kind of talk conspiracy theory stuff. And but the the last couple episodes have been really kind of difficult to listen to because such real conversations around the medical decisions people are being are are, are making for whatever reasons they're they're having to make those decisions. You know, Adam shared his own personal experience. He's he works as a elevator. He services and, and installs elevators. And so I think it's union, but the union or his employer is going to be requiring that he that he gets the job. And so his his choice is to not continue working that job. And him and his wife just bought a house in Oregon. And so, you know, he on on air in this recorded conversation with his mother in law was kind of, you know, saying, what do you think I should do, Deborah? Do you, you know, and she said, well, you don't want to know what I think. He's like, because you think I should take the, the vaccine to keep my job. Right. And she's like, yes. And it's just, it's tough because these are really personal conversations. I appreciate Adam and Deborah opening themselves up um, to that. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, decisions that you're making because um, families are are really having a, a hard time. I mean, part of my not wanting to talk to my own family members is because of this and because of decisions they're making and um, perceptions they might have because I am making different decisions. And so... It's just a difficult thing to, you know, be navigating with the people that you love, that you're closest to, that you want to maintain good relationships with. But, you know, some some kind of push comes to shove, rubber hits the road stuff is really happening with a lot of families. So, sir, I want to ask you more questions because um, I, I you're going to grill your mom, huh, Tim? Well, you got I her do. on a microphone. You because, got her recorded. You know, we get her we, on the record. We sort of live in a society where you can really be in your own head. A lot of people spend so much time just on their own phones that it's like they're just reading everything they get off their phone. And that becomes reality for them because a, a lot of time for hours on end, that's just what they're exposed to. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really good to check back in with people apart from the Internet and be like, are we all getting the same message? <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, we when he's saying red pilled, do you understand what that means? No. Okay, so you remember the the movie The Matrix with Keanu Reeves and he went into the computer exactly. world? Yeah. Okay, so the they're, way they're, they, they're coming out with the fourth one, by the way. Very exciting. Yeah, so <laughs> it's sort of uh, slang for when someone says they have their like eyes open. So if they look at all the media uh-huh. or the internet and they say, okay, these people are trying to get me to think something, therefore I should be suspicious of everything they say because they're corporations or their government politicians who just want power so when he's saying red pilled he's saying you like kind of change your thinking where you you start being skeptical of everything that gets thrown at you from the tv to the newspaper 
And, and this thank is why you, I'm yeah. asking her. Thank you because... for explaining that. It, because I, I, I forget sometimes that, that, that some of these terms that I just take for granted is not part of the lexicon that everyone is sharing. So, exactly. so you got to definitely break down even those terms. Um, an example of being red pilled, taking that, that red pills, yeah, waking up to a different reality. And because people can now choose their, their own information silos, um, you can really now, if you want, you can be in a totally different worlds and, and not even see or hear other information. So one example is um, I used to be very progressive and liberal. I cried when Obama gave his speech um, in the field house in Missoula in 2008. Tears were coming down my eyes. I was very emotional. Um, I watched NBC, MSNBC. I loved Rachel Maddow. Now, my dad, I feel like he is brainwashed by Ma Rachel Maddow. And so because I've kind of woken up to the fact that um, the stuff that that meant a lot to me back then, so anti-war, I was very against stupid foreign involvements of our of our military servicemen and women. I, I didn't think it made sense to be over there. And so I would vote for like people like John Tester. I voted for Barack Obama because they're like, we're going to get out of these wars. And and then they um, actually changed the language and called them humanitarian interventions. And so I continued to be against wars. And I was like, why are we in Libya? Why, you know, you think Gaddafi is so bad? You're going to create a vacuum of power and it's going to be more terrorism. And that's what happened. Um, but apparently it was a different equation because um, a slick looking black dude named Barack Obama was doing the bombing. And so that's where I started changing my perspective. And I guess you could say that's where I gobbled some red pills and was like, I don't know if these Democrats are really against wars. Maybe they're all getting money by these defense contractors. I don't know. So sure. Well, let me go back to COVID for a <laughs> yeah. second. I, I just want to get your perspective on stuff because I genuinely just want to know, you know, I know I deep dive in this stuff. I probably spend hours a day looking at it. Um, and when you made the decision to get the vaccine, did you feel like uh, it felt pretty safe to you? Or Because I know that some people, there's some... So in America, we don't have like a real central organized medical system. So if you get a vaccine of any kind, not just COVID, uh, there is something called VAERS, which is a vaccine advent, adverse adverse uh, event reporting system. Yes. So if you ever take a vaccine, you have to go to this website and fill out a report about it. Um, now, we've had something like three or four hundred million vaccine doses that have happened in America. And we've had something like. 50,000 adverse events. Right. Did you have to like consider maybe I shouldn't get the vaccine or maybe there might be a small chance of a side effect? Well, we come from a generation. My generation comes from, we used to have to line up in the grade school and we were one by one given shots for the measles or the mumps. And so we kind of got no no choice in the matter yeah. we were children we just had to do it where now you have a choice and i had to take into consideration that number one i had a choice that was nice before it was like do it yeah you didn't have a choice but now i had the choice and i had to go okay you know is the government on this and I waited. I didn't go out the first month that they started giving out shots. And I sat and I watched all the news deals to see, yeah. are people having effects from this? 
is this something we should do or not do as a society? And it came back that it was like, I think it was 1%, 2% were having problems or side effects from these shots. And I went, well, okay, is that enough for me not to do it with the health problems I have on the side going, okay, I have asthma. I can't play with breathing. Yeah. yeah. So I went ahead and I did it. Where your father, on the other hand, has no health problems. And he chose to wait to see what more was going to happen with people with side effects and that kind of thing. And that's why we did what we did. Now, you've told me that you're a bit scared right now because there's been a lot of news stories about the Delta variant and a lot more people are going to the hospital right now. Right. Um, and a lot of local people in Missoula have wanted to bring back like the mask mandate, making everyone wear masks yeah. indoors. Um, especially as school starting, a lot of people have been really fighting about this saying, you know, on the one hand, they want to protect students and, and, you know, the teachers might get sick. And on the other hand, you know, kids generally aren't, it, this isn't really deadly for kids like it is for older adults. Um, what, let's see if I can word this question. Well, I can always give my, my personal example sure, really quick because um, one of the things that I've realized is that there's a lot of fear out there, and I respect fear. I respect other people's fear. I had significant fear in the first couple of months. Um, I mean, I didn't even come into the studio for, for months. We didn't leave the house. You know, we were very, very strict because I had no idea what was out there and the entire world was mobilizing against something and that freaked me out. So I respect fear. My middle kid who's 11, uh, 10 going on 11, you know, he was, um, tested positive on September 1st. <clears throat> so uh, he was feeling a little bad August 29th. Um, and had a sore throat beyond what he normally would. And, and so my wife really wanted him tested. We got the rapid test, um, came back positive. And so he was out of school. Um, my other two kids, their quarantine period was longer. It was supposed to go until the 18th. For some reason, we weren't told this officially. We're, we're all on the Sarah alert system. So we've had to do the Sarah alert um, every day to see if anyone else is symptomatic. So Can you explain that? I don't know what that is. I don't know either. Um, this is, it is just you have to make a phone call or a text. Or so how does it work? my wife did most of the the kind of setup with the kids, and so she's been doing the response for herself and the kids. I get a text every day um, that basically it's a Sarah alert. I hit a link and I go and I say if I'm symptomatic, and you know there's all these different symptoms, and you, I go to the bottom every day. Hit not symptomatic, submit. All right. My, the rest of my family has been released. Um, I've had no interaction with the health department other than this text. They're sending it to me every day still. So before we recorded about an hour, I got the text still. You know, I don't know what's going on. It's ridiculous. It's stupid because this is the situation that, that caused me to write about my own experience. Um, I realized that not only was, you know, our whole family technically supposed to be in quarantine until the 18th. You know, if, if we're a um, two-paycheck household, I mean, I'm financially privileged in a lot of ways. And so, you know, my wife and I are very lucky that we were able to absorb, you know, almost three weeks of, of you know, not technically being able to work. I guess if you can work remotely, that's, that's different. But we were in this long period of quarantine where no one else in the family was ever symptomatic. My, my middle kid was sick. 
okay, I'm unvaccinated. My wife is unvaccinated. Um, shouldn't we have caught this deadly, you know, variant and, you know, be taxing the, the health system and, you know, isn't Angan and our local bureaucrats studying the unvaxxed and wanting to know how many unvaxxed are out there because it's all the unvaxxed fault that the, the health system is collapsing. So I get, I mean, I, I get why people wouldn't want to share their own personal information, but um, we took no major preventative steps with our middle kid. We didn't seal him in a room and put 2000 masks on his face um, and, and forbid him to like interact wow. with other humans. We didn't, we didn't because we're like, okay, you know, if, if our kids who face no serious statistical risk from the, from this COVID, which that's what the science um, shows, then I wanted them to, to acquire natural immunity. Um, and I figured, you know, I'm healthier now. I'm, I'm fit. I'm, you know, if I'm going to, I, I've even written a poem. I, I, I'm a poet, Kathy. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> I wrote a poem. And the, the, the first line is, if I die of COVID, please dance upon my grave. I'm like, if I die, if I'm wrong, please, I invite people to dance. I want them to have fun, well, have a joyous experience. Well, a few people who'd be first in line. Oh, I know. But, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like dance, you not know, me, dance you know. on my grave. Not, not Tim. Um, well, but can, can I want to ask you more about the vaccines. Like, yeah. What's your opinion of someone who's chosen not to get a vaccine so far? Do you think they're being foolish or do you think they're just being cautious? You know, I, I still think that you should get the vaccine. Yeah, fair enough. I, I do think everybody should get it only to help with controlling this virus. But again, they're saying different types of blood types are not affected by this. So it makes you wonder, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the blood type your dad has. Actually, he, quote, will never catch it. Now, why don't they talk about that more in the media? Right. Because if that's the case, then all the people that have that blood type don't need the shot. But what about they people, don't bring that well, out. Well, natural immunity. What about yeah, what if you got COVID before? Do you think you should still get the vaccine also just to be safe? Or, or do you think you'd be okay without getting it? No, I think you'd be okay because you build up immunity. Yeah. Like the body is, you know, not going to affect it after that. Yeah, once you got the first time, you're yeah, always going to have a head start if you get it again. Yeah. And, we, you know, we've been doing the vitamin vitamin D drops and zinc. And, you know, one, one of the things that I got sort of made fun of on the, on the blog is I, I was pretty critical of this editor who wrote a commentary that, you know, Kids should be masked because kids under 12 can't get the vaccine. And that's the only thing that we have to fight this, fight this, you know, this pandemic. And my response was, well, no, you know, part of what I'm doing is I'm feeding my kids healthy food. I'm taking them outside to play um, in the dirt and in the sun. You know, they're getting exercise. You know, these are actually important things to have healthy kids and to have a healthy immune reaction um, when they do get exposed to illness. Um, even something like hand wishing, hand wishing, hand washing the dishes. You know, I'm a big fan of hand washing dishes because, um, you know, you keep a little bit more of that bacteria on it. You're not you're not totally sterilizing it with a bunch of chemicals in the dishwasher. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Kids need their immune system working and to get it working. They have to be exposed to some level of, you know, what's out there in the, in the dirty ass world. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm supposed to, I wasn't going to cuss today, Kathy. <laughs> um, but, it, but it is a dirty ass world. I mean, that's just the reality. Let me but so, they're, but yeah, they're also ahead. talking that you can take it in with your eyes. 
And it makes you wonder that people wear glasses. Are they protecting their eyes? Because it's kind of like the same with the mask. Right, right. So really, if we're wearing masks, but we're not doing anything with the eyes, who's to say you're not catching it that way? Yeah. So again, there's just too many different things that be. There's a lot of different stuff out there that's kind of information that floats around. The, the big thing that's going on right now is that Biden came out a couple weeks ago and said that he's going to make it a mandate for <laughs> if you have a job where there's more than 100 people who work right. at the job. Right. Uh, the Army is being mandated now that if you want to stay in the Army, you have to get it within the next month. A lot of healthcare workers, people in hospitals. Um, this is also the same time that we're seeing more people going to the hospital because of it, because of this wave that's happening right now. Do you think it's smart to go ahead and mandate this, or do you think it could have bad effects? What's your opinion of the of Biden deciding to make it mandatory? Um, I think he's overstepping on that. I really do, because truthfully, he doesn't have enough there to, you know, prove that that needs to be done at this time. There's, you know the percentage of what they're saying people will get this, the percentage, how many people. Um, the, it's just not enough to be doing that, enforcing that with people at work as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, a lot of people have that I think, I feeling. I want to piggyback off that too because um, we grew up in Sealy Lake, so there was certain stuff that if we ever wanted, we had to come to Missoula to get. Right. And that's the... Uh, reality for everybody up in Sanders County to Thompson Falls, down the Bitterroot to Hamilton, you know, over to Phillipsburg, up to Sealy. How has Missoula kind of changed the last couple of years? How, w- what are the sort of things you're, I don't know, avoid now that you might have used to do or, or extra stuff that you do now? What's, what's, I yeah, mean, good you, question. We used to go to McDonald's, get a hamburger once in a while. I don't do that anymore because it takes so long to even get food at a lot <laughs> get of restaurants. Through the lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we don't do it, a lot of extra activity in Missoula anymore. We just, it's not worth it having to wait in lines. And, you know, when I can walk out my back door and, you know, jump on my four wheeler and go up and enjoy the mountains, that's much more fun than coming in here fighting traffic yeah. and everything else which what do you know, have to come in town for i mean do you do you go costco once a month get supplies that yeah, kind of stuff yeah. yeah we buy our groceries here mm-hmm. um our little store up there is a great little store yeah yeah but with everybody else trying to hit it it's pretty much wiped out yeah so and you're wiped out here in missoula too but not as badly so, what yeah. about some of the the second home activity? I know um, when when things were getting going with the pandemic, I have a friend that lives in Arlie, and he said that some of uh, the people he knows up up on the res that um, actually work to prepare these properties for sort of opening up during the season. He said that there were a lot of people in in early on that were kind of coming, you know, for their second home getaway. Um, are, are there a lot of second homes in, in Sealy? I mean, that's oh, yeah. a pretty yeah, touristy sure. touristy spot, so. Has there been more traffic that you've noticed sort of outside of the normal seasonal time for the second homers to be around? Uh, I would say we've doubled in our population up there. Really? Because it used to be you would have your people come in for the summer in their cabins Mm -hmm. and all that. But now this is year round. They're coming up there to try and get, you know, out of the cities. Yeah. And 
they don't even want to be social. They're they, they're hiding in their homes, pretty much up there. But interesting, it's like, well, wait a minute. You could at least say you know wave or hi or something. But no, they're they're just like you go up to their door and it's like, what do you want? They're yeah. really quite. Standoffish. Yeah. I'll say, I think depressed. Yeah. You know, stuff that I sort of took for granted growing up here, like, I noticed this a lot driving that people will try to be considerate. Like, if you're coming down the Blackfoot from Sealy, it's pretty much two lane most of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, a lot of older drivers, they don't want to drive 70, 80 miles per hour. It's a scary road. Drive like 55. But then, you know, you get 10 cars behind you. You know, one of these people, they don't know it's courtesy to pull over and let the faster people go. Or I've noticed driving down the bitter route, even though it's two lane and the law says only get in the left lane if you're passing, you know, people will just sit in that lane and not go anywhere and not move. And I'm trying to figure out, do they not know? Is it is it different here in bigger cities? Is the left lane just where you hang out, you know, like the carpool <clears throat> lane or just just well, well for, first first um t- tim i will do some counseling next time we're driving on sure. on some of your anger issues when it comes to being <laughs> behind the wheel i don't know if your mom has ever driven like riding shotgun but they're, they're well, she's th- rode with my dad so i'm sure she. oh knows. is this hereditary <laughs> okay okay well but um honestly i don't even know if we can talk about driving right now um as like a as a normal trend because i have just been experiencing so much awful driving from other people on a daily basis. When I was coming into town this morning, I had a guy, um, I'm driving like probably close to 50 and it's a 45 and he passes me going like 65 miles an hour on Kona ranch on the, on that bridge passing me, you know, and this is like early enough where it's still kind of like school time. You know, and I'm having to fight back the tendency to like, you know, chase this guy down and get a license plate. Um, because it's just, there's so much bad driving. My wife had someone pass her on big flat in such a dangerous way. I'm like meth. It had to been meth, you know, some kind of amphetamine was driving that psycho, um, to pass on a blind turn on like, you know, sheer drop off on the, on the right side of the road. I mean, it's just, I, I seem to notice just a lot of aggression. I don't know if that's people taking their stress out, but it doesn't seem like it's a normal kind of like like traffic situation. It seems like there is abnormal well, behavior I, I behind the wheel. I was thinking about this on the way up today because we probably have, I mean, the baby boomer population is 75 million, like 78 million. So it's by far the biggest generation currently in America. And then look at what cars have done over the past 30 years. I used to be able to b- get like a little Toyota pickup truck. You remember I used to have that little b- blue Toyota when we lived out on Raymer? Right. You can't get little trucks like that more anymore. They're humongous now. They're 60 to 80 grand uh, humongous trucks. So we have a population that's now entering their 60s and their 70s. Driving They're tanks. probably losing their hearing, losing their eyesight. Uh, they're now on much harder to navigate vehicles. It takes up much more room on the road, yeah, which yeah. I would be cautious in a larger vehicle. Anyone would be. Uh, and all these people also learned to drive 50 years ago. Uh, and I don't know if you ever heard the anecdote about like an older doctor. A lot of time, if they got their medical license 50 years ago, they haven't paid attention to updates in medicine. So they might tell you bad medical advice that has changed yeah. since they went to medical school. Uh, I don't know where my rant is going on that one, but... Well, you, you combine an aging um, generation that had a lot of uh, expectations of freedom. I mean, you, you want to go where you want to go. And, and, you know, having that freedom limited is not is not a fun thing for, for anyone. But then you also combine that with the younger generation. My mom was telling me just the other day that um, their church uh, pastor's kid, you know, dropped his phone or something, was distracted for a few seconds, crashed into a parked car. Both cars were totaled. Everyone was okay. 
you know, but the, the devices, I mean, my kid, my oldest is 13. Uh, I'm still in denial about a lot of things like, you know, teenager stuff and all the fun that's going to be coming with that. But the driving part, I mean, I, I killed my dad's Jetta when I was 15. I took it out and was trying to show off in front of my, my friends and lost control. And I, I hit an elementary school, Kathy. I, oh, I ran no. a car into an elementary school. I have wow. pictures. It's, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, and I don't think my dad's forgiven me. I would probably not forgive my kid, but it's, it is a new world in terms of how you get around. And part of what Missoula has been trying to, to do, I think there's kind of conspiracy theory about, you know, we are talking about going cashless, not having money. There is some, some idea and hope that um, downtowns in a lot of different cities can eventually um, get cars out of them. I think doesn't Burlington in Vermont have like a carless downtown section. It's not a totally bad, awful yeah. idea. Um, but, but in order to, to move away from some of the, the individual car mobility, you've got to get some infrastructure that makes sense. And we were talking a little bit about the rural parts of the county in Missoula and how difficult it is just to get to medical appointments if you're out in some of the, the farther, farther parts of the county. And the, the bus doesn't go to a lot of these areas. Um, how, does that, how does that get improved other than just raising more taxes and, and doing a lot more of that, that overall making this place unaffordable if you just you know, want to continue throwing more money at it? Yeah, let me redirect back. Uh, you have to do that a lot with me, don't you? True. Um, Because we were talking earlier about what you do when you come in town. And typically it's come in, have a list of stuff, go buy these groceries, go run these couple errands and go back. Um, One thing that I've noticed, especially this last year or two, is there's so many more homeless people. And you probably hear about it all the time on the news. At least once a week, there's some story of someone having a conflict with the police or something. Is it, has this affected what you do when you come in town? Are there parts of towns that you just don't want to go to anymore that maybe you're used to? Or has, has, as far as your life, has this changed much or, or even just what you've seen? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I used to shop at certain grocery stores, but because of the homeless people, I don't go in that area anymore. Do you, do you stay away from Albertsons, the Eastgate Albertsons? Yes, yeah. I stay away from them. I yeah. stay away from the uh, Fresh Mart mm-hmm. on uh, Broadway Yep. again because I have tried to shop there and people are walking up begging for money or begging for something. Mm-hmm. And then I also make sure that I come in at certain times of the day and get back out of Missoula by 3 yeah. because I also know the traffic gets bad at a certain point. Yeah. And being older... I know that I'm not the best driver that I used to be. Yeah. So I try and go around what the you know younger groups of people are doing. So yeah, I I do work around all that. What What are some of your sense of like the Missoula has a ten year plan to end homelessness? Are Are you aware of that? that oh plan? yes. Um, what are some of the media stories or s- some of the things that you've read? Um, like, where do you think Missoula is on that on that plan to address? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Are they ignoring yeah. it? Do you think they're trying? <laughs> well, I don't think it's gotten better. That's for sure. Uh, in fact, I noticed there's tents all along uh, Broadway here in the last week. The the tents the, the tents right by the Pov have yeah. proliferated um, pretty quickly in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's like I get that a lot of them are coming from out of state because the other states are giving them the bus tickets to come and, you know, to get rid of them, so they're not having to pay for, you know, them. But, again, Montana isn't, you know, a rich state. 
they can't afford this and it's just upping everything for us for property and and insurance and everything else on our end and we can only take so much and then we're going to end up with bigger problems which we have yeah. now already you know it's, it's so interesting because i worked i was telling you before we started recording that i worked at the Pavarello center and, and a lot of the conversations i had when i was working would be to try and counter that idea that you know a lot of people were coming out of state um, and, and I challenge myself sometimes because there, there's a lot of complicated dynamics and I'm, I'm not sort of like trying to defend that because ultimately a lot of people are coming from other places. You know, I talked to this uh, drunk guy at the West Broadway Island a couple months ago. Um, he was uh, fresh from North Dakota, didn't know anyone here, just showed up, was drunk at 1030 in the morning and using foul language towards the female staff, right? Um, but there was a guy, he was a veteran and he was flying a sign at the East Gate, so kind of by the Albertsons. And I was biking around that day and was kind of annoyed. And so I stopped and I'm like, you know, so, you know, are you really a veteran? And, and you know, he said enough where I knew he really was. And I was like, well, you're not going to get into housing here. Um, there's a small, small, small chance unless you know someone, you know, like, have you ever been here? And he's like, well, I was here years and years ago. It's been a while, you know, because there actually are a lot of people that sort of like are on a circuit a bit. They, they travel around. They, they use um, shelter, you know community to community it's, it's a lot of times just kind of short term but it's sometimes a part of a lifestyle but this guy knew a lot of the old people at the pub and so i knew he really was aware of like the the old pub and knew some of the people that volunteered there and he he kind of worked there a lot of times at the old pub we had people that kind of were volunteers slash they stayed there but they really did help out and so it's always a bit more complicated but at the same time, um, I knew the system and the 10 year plan does a point in time survey. And so I've written a lot about how that's kind of a joke. Um, they've put less energy in accounting people. And so the numbers, it looks like they're going down, but everyone's lived experience is like, okay, my eyes are not lying to me. Right. I see what I see. Yeah, it's um, not going down. And, and so it's been difficult because I'm now sort of at this other point where I'm like, okay, our city leaders are not being honest with us about what the problem is. And they are not being honest with people that are coming here saying Montana does not have like a good Medicaid program. We do not have good me mental health services. And a great example of this is someone named Johnny Lee Perry, right? So this guy who is a, um, allegedly involved in a physical altercation that led to Sean Stevenson, um, another homeless man who was attacked at the Pavarillo Center, allegedly. And what happened three weeks ago is Johnny Lee Perry had some sort of incident with law enforcement where he had a machete, was exhibiting some kind of dangerous behavior, and he was shot and killed by sheriff deputies. You know, this, this is a person that maybe could have um, benefited from early intervention or some kind of consequences for his behavior, yet he was left on the streets for months and months and months and months and months until he got to the point where he was so dangerous that it required uh, lethal use of force from law enforcement. We still don't know many details of that well, incident, but... It may not have required it. That's what happened, though. Um, it's just a very in interesting situation that we find ourselves in. Were, were you aware, Kathy, at all, um, that, the, that Sean was attacked at the Pavarello Center? Is that a story that you're familiar with? No, yeah. I hadn't heard that. It wasn't really reported widely, even at the time, no. so... Let me ask you something else, because... Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, right. it, it, make sure that you're, you're, you're sounding a little this? quiet. Okay. Yeah, pump up your volume. I was turning your mic down, and apparently I thought it was turning my mic down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you you have to be properly amplified. You're getting really into the mic today, so I just got to Am I? Am I getting too close? No, it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, 
No, because I think something, if you don't mind, you've talked to me offline. You didn't vote for Trump. I don't think you voted for Trump either time, right? <laughs> no. But you vote <laughs> for some Republicans. Um, Sometimes, yes. What what's sort of the makes a difference when you look at it? Like, do you feel that you have good information to, to make decisions? Like you, like you read the news, you'll read online the Missoulian sometimes, you'll read the stories on Facebook from some of the news outlets, and then, you know, whatever you watch on TV. Do you feel like you're getting enough information on both sides to really kind of decide who you want to vote for each time? Um, I, I do do all that but I also t take to the computer and I look up facts because a lot of times the facts that they tell you on TV and or the newspaper and stuff are not what they seem to be. You know, they say, well, we fed, you know, three million people. And then you go on the thing and it says, well, he only fed a million. They counted all these people because they happened to be there. Yeah, It's like they don't give you the actual truth in a lot of the stuff you see in media so you feel as though sometimes it's presented like a skewed way oh for or sure. stuff is left out to get you to think stuff a certain well, and, way. Yeah. And, and you seek out additional information exactly. you do additional research but let me ask you yeah. this once you become aware that they're trying to spin it a certain way does that make you distrust them in the future or or be more wary when they you know you read the next thing or do you feel it's it's just you know politics and that's how politic political news might or, be. or you take it by in case by case basis yeah sure yeah exactly um you got to be willing to take the time and really look into what's going on because a lot of times it's just a lot of bullshit well, can <laughs> i ask you something amen to that Kathy. We, amen to that you know travis used to be a democrat he was for a long time um and i'm not even against democratic ideas i just think that when you're run by democrats the things they say should be in so you know i wouldn't expect the banks to be as in the city as missoula is i wouldn't expect a lot of the like corporate and and charity things to be in the city financially as much as they are what do you think democrats need to do to start a lot of Democrats right now uh, believe Montana is, is going red and isn't going to come back. It's normally been like very in the middle state. They call it a purple state because it could go red or blue. We vote for Democrats a lot. We had 16 years of Democrat governors. Um, but they're scared. The last two elections, they went from running five of the statewide offices to running zero of them. And they're scared that if enough you know, Republicans from California whatever removed here, then it's going to be Republicans running things for a long time. Do you think that is going to happen? And, or, you know, as a person who considers himself more of a Democrat, what do they need to start doing to, to make sure they can, you know, not just keep losing a bunch like they have the last couple of times? She's thinking right now, and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking right Well, because you, you also told me the story of a young activist who came to your house during the election, and you felt that you couldn't really talk to that person honestly about what you were thinking. They thought... They were making sure you're going to vote Democrat, and you were thinking, well, there's some problems I have, but I'm not going to talk to a total stranger about it. Exactly, because I'm sometimes on the line. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat necessarily. It depends what's being needed to be done at the time that yeah. these elections go on. And so, for example, this last election, Trump was just not showing that he was good 
to be in office because he couldn't keep, you know, he'd say one thing one day and the next day he'd turn around and not do it. It was like, wait a minute, make up your mind. Even if it's right or wrong, you got to make up your mind what you're backing. Yeah. And he could never stay in one spot and back what he was backing. You're not going to make everybody happy. That you well, just can't. So the do. person knocking on your door, what kind of what kind of questions would you have asked if you felt comfortable enough to share what questions you did have for Well, I would have asked, you know, you know, do they believe in, you know, going to war? Do they not believe going into war? Do they, you know, believe in religion? Don't they believe in religion? You know, do they believe that they should have better pay? You know, basic questions yeah, everybody yeah. wants to know to help society keep moving along. But this person that knocked at my door was just, you know, Republican, 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 oh, Republican. Gotcha, gotcha. And I was like, wait a minute, number one, I don't mind Republicans. I'm married to one. And we do talk. We do have our differences. He, what he hears is so different than what I hear on the words they're talking. And it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Where does he get that point of view? Because I question that. Yeah. But then he comes back and, well, you have to understand this is this way. And I'm like, well, but I didn't get that out of those words. That's so How interesting. How do you get that out of yeah. those same words that we both heard? And well, I don't know if it's just because you know I'm a female, he's a male, and might we be do something look to, at yeah, things differently. But we don't argue about it because yeah. it's not worth breaking up a you know a marriage over something. Absolutely. Like that. Do you feel like Democrats and Republicans are like really two separate choices, or do you think they might be too much alike? Because in some ways, they're too much alike. You know, when they you have are. like when Tester runs, they always go out there and try to show each other which one loves guns most. And you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some issues in which they they want to outdo each other and it's and yet And yet they're not in order different. to make a choice, you gotta have kind of a clear two different things to choose one or the other. Well, but and what, what, when they're yeah. both, you know, funded by the corporations, you know, they both there's some issues like when it goes to war and stuff, they're both gonna be on the same side because it's the same people funding their campaigns. When Boeing wants to go sell missiles, they buy the Republican and they buy the Democrat, and then it doesn't matter who you vote for because they're both going to be interested in uh, yeah. making sure someone gets to go throw missiles in the air. I don't know. Well, one of, the things, one, one of the things I wanted to interject really quickly, because what I heard, I think, you say, Kathy, is that um, the door knocker was really just bashing Republicans and saying – you know, be afraid of Republicans getting power or having power. And so the reason to vote for Democrats is because Republicans bad. Is that? A yeah, that is was what it is. They're more just bashing and, and talking bad than actually trying to sell what that person is running what do you, for. Yeah, what do you stand for? Not what do you not like or what are you against, but what do you stand for? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so like with our mayor candidate, um, even though I'm in the county and can't vote for the mayor, um, the way that uh, Jacob Elder might get my vote would be to take a stand on on something. Well, actually, actually before we taint the water, are you going to redirect me again? No. Yes. Do you know who Jacob Elder is? Uh, no. Okay. So he's the black student at University of Montana who's running against Engen, and so he was the one 
that got yeah, the second that. most votes. Okay. Oh, okay. And, but but you're not you don't have name recognition. You don't hear the name and have yeah, a. Yeah, I'm I'm more into I'd recognize faces better than names. So if gotcha. you saw his picture, you would know him. Right. He, he's taken many selfies and he's a handsome fellow. So well, you might see the image. How much? How much else do you know about him? Do you like? This is the thing is he's probably spent forty thousand dollars to go reach people to to get people to vote for him. It'd be good to know if any of that actually worked. Like, have you absorbed I, that and, and sort of formed the opinion? Exactly. I know his face. I know he's running. But to what his actual wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. platform a, issues. His platform so, is not there. Yeah. yeah. So if I asked you to name one way he's different than Engen, if he got in, like, you probably wouldn't be able to do that. No. Okay. Well, and this still is technically early in the campaign. And so now this is a chance for a candidate opposing a 16-year incumbent to actually maybe step up and have some platform positions that can be memorable. And if I was... True, but he's also been running for over a year. Yeah. And so at this point, he should have probably developed some more substantive... If he's had a year to get his message out, and obviously... We should know if he wants to spend less. We should know whether or not he wants to, you know, put a new park in here in in Missoula. Something. But I well, and here's a question, Kathy. I guess because this is something I'm I'm very interested in, but it's it's kind of technical, and not everyone's always aware of it. But what are you are you familiar with tax increment financing with that term? Well, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. When explained to me, I just didn't take in how it works and this is one of those big things is that you know the argument is the public just can't understand it because the the idea is um there's something called blight so blight can be a rundown building that's all nasty ugly you know no one wants to to build a business next to a rundown building and so that blight doesn't allow maybe good economic development to happen and so the idea of tax increment financing has been you create these these districts. Um, they're called like urban renewal districts, and when you create that district, the tax base is sort of like frozen, and then any development that happens in that district, the increase in the taxes, that increase, so that amount that it's gone up, instead of going to the general fund the way it usually would, it goes instead to the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, and then within that district, that extra money can be used for stuff within the district. So if another building um, wants to do some some renovations and it makes sense to take the utility lines and to bury them, you could use this public money to fund the cost of doing some things around private development. Okay. So that's kind of the idea. And um, I've been very interested in this because I think it's being abused by our mayor. Um, He's an addict of alcohol. I think he's an addict of public money, too. So Something that is in there is the mayor gets to pick who is on that redevelopment agency. So the people who get to decide how that money gets spent are all people who've been picked by the mayor. And so some people, it's like, oh, those are all my buddies. That's his little slush fund. I'm going to make sure they only fund projects that go to, like, my donors or something. That's just... Theoretically, an example of why people yeah, that are could be an argument corrupt. against against the use of it. And so, um, Jacob Elder has not really taken a firm stand. Um, I've heard him talk about how he would use more tax increment financing for affordable housing projects. There is an argument to be made that part of the affordable housing problem is because of tax increment financing. That whole argument that 
um, because money is not all going to the general fund, it goes a portion of it to this other agency. Well, as Missoula grows, we still have to put more money to schools, more money for police, more money for fire. Um, and so that has been the argument, basically saying that this tool has the potential of making housing even less affordable because it's diverting all this extra money to special projects. Um, but, you know, Jacob has an opportunity now. Um, he's changed his opinions on a lot of things. Um, he said sensitive stuff about Black Lives Matter. Then he turned against Black Lives Matter. Um, he also yeah, wants to bus homeless people, I think, to California or something. <laughs> and so um, maybe maybe he'll take an opportunity to say he's against tax increment financing and it needs to be abolished because I would be more supportive of him as a candidate if he took a firm stand on this on this slush fund that, that I, I really think anyone has the potential of misusing it. It should not be a tool for anyone anymore, but that's my opinion. Well, we have a five, 10 minutes before we wrap up. Yeah, yeah. So in about another few months, you're gonna start seeing election ads again. The All the House legislative seats are gonna come up. Um, people are gonna start running again. We're getting a second House seat. Did you know that? Probably you knew. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. The Montana yeah, was getting another Congress one, seat. Huh? We did, yeah. So okay. they're currently fighting over how to draw that because the Democrats want to make sure the one that includes Missoula also includes Bozeman because then they have a chance at winning. If it's not drawn that way, then the Republicans are going to win both those seats. Um, do you think that's something... A lot of what they're trying to do, they're trying to do what they consider fair and competitive. So if they just drew it one way, then the Republicans are going to guarantee to have that seat. Would you prefer to see where one of the seats is winnable for Democrats? Do you think that's a fair way to draw it? Or do you think that's just trying to help one of them when they should? I don't know. No, do you understand what I'm saying? to make it fair so that both sides have a chance, not just make it so you know, Republicans get it, no. Okay. And the other thing I was going to ask you is you're going to start having people come back on your door again. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, like, if you really had to talk to one of them honestly, not, you know, Democrat, Republican aside, what's really the thing you wish they would start addressing or, or really if they yeah, started talking about... what's the big about, issue for you? What's, the, what what's, what's the, my big issue? What what's your big your issue? Vote? Do not campaign for two, three years. Please get a law in that they can do it six months before the election, period. Nobody You're tired needs of the endless campaigns, all huh? All the endless campaigning of two, three years before we ever vote. Don't they yeah. do that I mean, in other countries where it's only a couple weeks or like a couple months before? Or Canada, they didn't they just, they just had their election yesterday. Yeah, I think yeah. they call that two or three months out, and then they have two or three months to do it. It's also a yeah. risk for the party in power because they could put themselves out of office but but what you're saying to me is you're kind of sick of this being everywhere and you can't get away from it exactly. all the time yeah. it, i mean they talk about the virus causing depression and everybody's stuck in their homes and stuff but yet you don't see all this politicking getting held back or, or <laughs> stopped or it's still all you know and that's causing a lot of stress on society i don't care yeah. what they say but you get tired of the same stuff over and over. That's one of the reasons I got rid of cable TV. I don't want to listen to all those, you know, commercials yeah. every half an hour, hour. 
Well, I think that's really common ground to, to find. It's just that fatigue people have at being bombarded um, everywhere they go with just this, like, you know, do this, do that, you know, think this way, think that way. In it's fact, tiring. I, I have a neighbor that is going up and down in front of my house every evening four times with Trump flags right now. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Is he, is he yelling? How many years out till elect, you know, come on. Get real. Well, so, so Kathy, I, I have to I have to tell you something about your son. Um, <laughs> did, did you know that he, he came out the other day for believing that the election was stolen? Oh, you're going to. Uh -oh. We were trying to wrap this up so nice. <laughs> did, did you? Did, did, so, well, I've watched. If she wants watched, to learn about that, she can listen to the podcast. I've watched documentaries on TV about how the election went. And I've seen both yeah. sides from the Democrats to the Republicans. And from what I can gather, it was not stolen. But that's <laughs> well, to show you my opinion. No, and it's it's really interesting to me because, and, and we are going to wrap this up because we want to be um, we want to be respectful of time. But uh, in Missoula County, one of the things that because um, people do seem very agitated still about the elections, the yes. Trump the Trump supporters are not letting this go. Um, your neighbor maybe should chill out just a little bit, but <laughs> that, I, that's what I'm saying. Come on, just relax. <laughs> yeah. Get back. Chill out. Oh, but, but there's yeah. another portion of this too. And I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't all have phones on us. I just yeah. yesterday, I think I got three spam calls trying to get money for me for Greg Abbott. I don't understand how people can You're literally get sworn in and within a month or two be running for reelection. We have an attorney general who's sent me at least weekly emails and at least bi-weekly pieces of paper saying he needs money. He doesn't even say what he needs the money for. He just knows that because I gave the money to Trump six years ago, well, and, I should give him money. And, 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 and this is the thing is, I think most people just don't want to be bothered all the time by this. And it, yeah. it's when you're constantly getting robocalls, vote for this guy. When you don't know what numbers are coming up on your phone, when you, when you're being told every time you turn on the TV, something has to do with politics is just, or the NFL. We went to NFL games together as a family. It's just like, these are things we wanted to enjoy and not fight. And so, as soon so as you put politics in it, you're, you're injecting negativity into do you whatever know what the it is. Do you know what the NFL did? And then we'll, we'll, end, we'll end on this. The NFL realized that um, when there is a, a, a screwed call, when, when a referee blows a call, Maybe technology can give us the power to do amazing instant replays so we can figure out, you know, the, the, the sort of the receipt to, to the action, right? Yeah. So why can't this amazing country use amazing technology and provide some kind of receipt or some kind of uh, confirmation to instill more confidence in the voting systems that every state has, every county has, because I don't know if you're aware of this, Kathy, in Missoula County, there are still questions about the last election because um, over 4,000 votes were identified without corresponding uh, envelopes. And there were um, actual ballots coming out of nursing homes with the same looking signature on them. And so um, that might not be a big deal to a lot of people. A lot of people in Missoula County might not even know that, um, that there's questions about the last election, but um, clearly your neighbors still got some passionate feelings about the last federal election. And I, I think we run the risk of losing confidence in the overall election system if there aren't steps taken to, I don't want to say secure the election, but there is a loss of integrity to the system. Well, and I think I'm, we've ex been experiencing this cycle after cycle, and it goes back to even 2000 and hanging chads. I, I will say 
I know my mom knows how to go online and check if her ballot's been received by the nice, county. Nice. So I, know, I do know that she is technologically capable to make sure that her ballot has actually been Counted. received by the county yeah. and put into the state system as being received and no prop. Because it also says like the signature didn't match or that's never happened. But nope. if that were to happen, that's something you can check on. So, I, well, the other thing is you guys always vote by mail, right? Right. Yeah. You think that's probably generally a good thing. Because uh, here's the thing. Trump and other people have come up, said it's unsecured. Like in California, you'd see people with just huge piles of them, and they go, and they get $7, and, and they people make money going For and getting the ballots. Yeah. Well, and we'd also heard that, you know, after they, they took the main center from the post office out of Missoula, that we were going to have delayed mail. So if we put it in the mailbox up there, it was going to get here in time. Yeah. So we made a point, since we know we come to Missoula once a week, we did our voting, and we brought it in here to Russell Street, and we dropped yeah. it off. Smart, smart. Because we were like, are they trying to keep the votes from reaching to be counted by taking out the center and stuff? We didn't know. So but the vote, well, it was important enough to you to take okay. that extra step to actually drop it off in town. Can I? Exactly. So Travis has been talking uh, in another capacity for his documentary about a situation where uh, they were going to have a public comment here at the courthouse. And last minute, they decide to change it. And then they usually have four or five people who are Engen's friends who will go and always testify in favor. And so they change it last minute to sort of only to skew the public comment. Something that people may not realize because it's really a local issue is the, the sewer up in Seedley Lake. They've yeah. been fighting the sewer system there and the sewer board for at least three to four years. And some of the tactics that the people on there, including Gene Curtis, Gene who used Curtis, to be yeah. a yeah. local politician, uh, is, is they would pull these same things. Like they would change the rules or like they would go ahead and vote in uh, people to the sewer board who were against the new sewer system trying to be put in, mm -hmm. and then they would not seat them on the board and then sue them so they couldn't be on the board and make decisions. Wow. So uh, yeah. I will say that my knowledge in this situation is there have been some election hijinks very specific to this issue on mm -hmm. the sewer board in Sealy, which is one reason they know their neighbors. Like there's neighbors my parents know, and they talk to them. They live on their street, and they actually talk in person to sort of coordinate because they've felt as though they haven't been on the up and up with the people in the past, and they have taken some hijinks to sort of go around their votes. Is that fair to say, Mom? Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. We we dealing almost 15 years on this sewer now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you keep com coming up and we go, okay, we've talked to these neighbors, this neighbor, that neighbor. We've got the numbers. We're not going to get it in here. No means and no? Then, yeah. And then they turn around and get it anyway. And they, they overstep or, like Tim said, made sure they didn't get on the board. Yeah. Or they made such up lies about you know, somebody doing something that they're, oh, well, we can't have him on the board either because, you know, and it's like you get to the point where you get gun shy about what's going to happen. So that's with our votes. We've just learned that if we really want our vote to count, we've got to bring it to Missoula yeah. and hand it to the people. Well, right on, Kathy. I mean, taking steps, accountability, what you can do within your own sort of abilities, what you can control. Um, I, I've told Tim that uh, this upcoming election is going to be interesting. I, I actually want to 
physically occupy some space by the the um, the county election office um, and just watch and make sure there's no no weird stuff going on because um, there there is I think enough questions and those questions can erode confidence and then you get to a point where once you've lost trust it's really hard to get that trust back um, and I know a lot of local officials are are probably really well meaning in what they believe is right I think a lot of them are so um, invested in what they think is going to be right for all of us. They don't necessarily see doing some of these manipulative things as bad because they just believe their vision. They, they have that strong of a belief. And I respect that. Um, and I think if people don't agree and it's getting to the point where, you know, you really want to see some changes happen, then you have to do things more actively, more directly to, to have those changes happen. So well, and, and this like is- start a podcast. I suppose you could do that if you had the time and talent. Um, you got the talent. The, the reason I'm saying this is just because a lot of times these concerns just get brushed away. And I think this is sort of how people start to go down the path of not trusting it is if, yeah, you yeah. know, if they got this sewer rammed down their throats, no matter how many times they voted against it and they use all these little policy tricks and rule tricks to, to mm-hmm. make sure that no matter how the people in Sealy Lake voted, their voice would not be heard and they wouldn't do what they would want to say you would be suspicious of it and you would probably yeah. give up on the system. And I, I don't want to draw huge generalities there, but I just wanted to point out that people have been dealing with this issue with the sewer and Sealy for many years now. The Missoulian has wrote maybe one article in the past two years about it, and it's almost never skeptical of the people in power. They trust everything they say, and, and they're always distrustful of regular people who are going to be affected by it. And that's, yep. that's the reason this was important to me and also to like, I, I communicate with my family pretty regularly, so I hear about these things, and, and there's stuff that's in my orbit. So, well, I'm I'm very interested in county dynamics. I'm I'm very seriously looking at 2024. Um, Farmer Josh is in the pocket of of Mayor Engen, and so Farmer Josh is is the person I would be challenging. Um, I can't remember which district it is specifically, but I, I really do think that people need to, to do more beyond just complain. It's easy to complain. Um, it's easy to just sit back and kind of criticize from your armchair. But when you get out there in person and start having those conversations in a way that hopefully you, you, you listen, you know, um, and actually acknowledge that if, if something is going through on the ground, um, unless you're living there, you're not going to necessarily know what those impacts are. Um, and I've always been very interested in listening to what actual impacts of policies are. Um, the people up in leadership make those, you know, homeless policy decisions. Well, I was on the ground talking to the people actually having to um, get past restrictive definitions of homeless. So, um, but Kathy, it's just been it's been great that you were able to to come. I know Tim kind of coerced you in, into <laughs> into getting here today. Yes. It's, He's like, I'm driving you, you. put a microphone in front of your face. We're going to talk politics. If the news and and these institutions are really supposed to represent regular people, why do we never hear regular people talk about their opinions? And I've I've heard what environmentalists, I've heard, you know, we hear the same thing over and over and over. I don't know if journalists just aren't curious or just have no way to like reach out and, and just hear what regular people are thinking. But, you know, we've heard you and I give our opinions for, nine months now i wanted this is why i want a little new blood i want some interaction i want some communication i think people just are better for it if they have a dialogue and it's not in a screaming well and and kathy you've you've helped us test out our three microphone setup and so now we kind of we got this one under the you know we got it figured out um next week we do have a person that might be joining us again so i think this having a three-way conversation now that um, we've gotten a little bit tired of just you and I blabbing. <laughs> you know, I, I still think it's fun, but I think <laughs> listeners would appreciate hearing not just you and me, 
um, and Kathy was here today to to broaden our conversation. So yeah, is there you. anything else you want to say? Is there any where, where can we find look, you? Where's you your look, Twitter handle? Where's your you know? Are please, you selling anything, Kathy? Don't or? Harass my mother. Uh, no, but th- 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 we're kind of going into an interesting time. A lot of people are just sort of keeping quiet, keeping their head down. People are optimistic that things are going to get better. Other people are pessimistic. Things are going to get worse. Where do you think we're going to go here in the next six, 12 months? Oh, I'm hoping it will get better. I really do. Um, I think we're just in a period where things are readjusting for jobs. And uh, once, you know, the jobs kind of move around, readjust, and, you know, things are just in a changing, yeah, changing thing because, you know, they're trying to do new uh, byproducts from fracking and stuff like that, which will switch things up so the gas can come back down to a reasonable price and stuff. Um, It's just we're in that mode where we need to wait and hang in there. Readjustment. I think we are absolutely in a period of readjustment. And that is something that is very disorienting when things are changing so quickly at such a big scale. Yeah, it absolutely does. So we're trying to kind of keep our coordinates, you know, even if it takes us outside of town every once in a while to do fun and interesting things. But Kathy, again, thank you for being here today. Uh, We'll go ahead and and wrap up and get on with the rest of our day. So thank you for listening. You've been tuning into another episode of Zoomtown. I'm your host, Travis Mateer, here with Tim Adams and the lady that gave Tim life, Kathy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.